morning, everyone. You're welcome to grab a seat. Sure, thanks, band, for just a powerful time of worship. And I think what is powerful about worship is really us coming and aligning ourselves to God, um, that we gain an understanding to who He is, uh, even in the midst of our world. He is still God. So I am... Uh, have the privilege to continue our second part of this sermon series. So last week, Donnie preached and I listened, and it was all about that God builds, but when He builds, He involves people. And it's this concept where God does not need us, but He still chooses to use us. And we saw through the book of Nehemiah, or through that chapter, this story that we're working through, uh, that we see that this wall was built, this, this miracle happened because of God. And when God is building, anything is possible. And it really makes the impossible possible. So if you missed that uh, sermon, please go listen to that because we are building on it during this sermon series. So tonight we are beginning with the end in mind. So the wall has been built or the wall is going to be built, but now we're going to get to Nehemiah chapter 1, where we see this, this command or this, this heart, this, this unction to rebuild. One, two. Wow, that was interesting. To rebuild the wall is, is Nehemiah is commissioned to go. But what is happening in my topic here tonight is that when God builds, He aligns our hearts. When God builds, He aligns our hearts. So we're going to read together from Nehemiah chapter 1. So I'm going to read the whole chapter one. I'm going to read that for you. Uh, so you can find the slides also on the board or on the screen. I'm just going to read that for us together. So keep in mind the wall is going to be built. So this is now a setup. Okay. Chapter one, verse one. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakila. Now it happened in the month of Kislev, in that 20th year, as I was in Susa, the citadel, that Hanani, one of my brothers, came with certain men from Judah, and I asked them concerning the Jews who had escaped and who had survived the exile and concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. And I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him, and keep his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer of your servant and now, and that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you, even I and my fathers have sinned. We have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandment, the statutes, and the rules that you command your servant Moses. Remember the words that you commanded your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them 
and bring them to the place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. They are your servants and your people whom you have redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. Now I was a cupbearer to the king. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word that, that guides us, that leads us, Lord. And even I thank you for this book of Nehemiah that was penned down, Lord. And I pray that through this word tonight, Lord, you would be exalted, you would be honored, the preaching would honor you, God. And I pray that you would come and bring conviction, Holy Spirit, that only you can bring. I thank you that your word is profitable for teaching, for proof, for training in godliness and correction. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So there's a lot of words in that first part of this chapter. So I want to give a bit of context. So it says there, now in the month, it happened in the month of Kislev. So Nehemiah starts off this chapter. It's the month of Kislev. So that is really part of the Jewish calendar, the month of Kislev. So that's November, December. So if it was translated in English, it would have said in the month of November or December. Um, that would have been helpful. Uh, but it's more or less November, December. And the reason why this is significant is in chapter 2, there's another calendar being mentioned. So after his prayer, it starts there. Uh, I don't have it on the screen, but it says, in the month of Nisan. Then it highlights another month of the Jewish calendar. So we can actually plot from the time Nehemiah prayed to the time of him going to the king is more or less four months, three to four months of Nehemiah praying this prayer, seeking God, fasting and praying. So this started, this news came in the month of Kislev. That's how I think you pronounce it in Hebrew. Now the next part of evidence I want to say there is that it says there in the 20th year. So in the 20th year, so what it's referencing is the 20th reign of the king. So the king that is currently ruling it's again referenced in chapter 2, is King Artaxerxes. So King Artaxerxes is reigning. So this is stated that during that time, during that plot, this is when this news is coming to Nehemiah. And what is significant about it, because it's the same king that is uh, in power during the book of Ezra. So during the book of Ezra, this same king, King Artaxerxes, he was responsible, uh, there was a bit of, pushed back to the rebuilding of the wall. The wall was rebuilt, and then uh, the enemies, they sent a letter to the king and, and said, these people are disobeying you. They're not going to worship you or obey you as king. And then this king, Artaxerxes, is actually then, he wrote letters saying, you should not rebuild the walls. So this is important to know that this is the same king that Nehemiah actually had to approach then to get the blessing to rebuild the walls. It is his boss, if I can say it like that. And then the, the, the third context I want to highlight is that Nehemiah says he was in the Susa, the citadel. Now, it sounds fun to say, the Susa, the, Susa, the citadel. <laughs> but he is currently, what he's stating is, Susa is the capital of Persia. So the citadel is the palace where, where Nehemiah finds himself 
So he is in the palace. So Nehemiah is in the palace. He's a cupbearer to the king, and he's receiving this word. Now, the, the topic tonight is that when God builds, he aligns our hearts. Now, in order for us to get our hearts aligned to God, we need to become aware. So that is my first point tonight, is in order for us to have aligned hearts, we need to become aware. I'm going to read this chapter 1, verse 2 and 3 again. So the news came and he asked, and I asked them concerning the Jews who escaped, who had survived the exile, concerning Jerusalem. And they said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates are destroyed by fire. So what is happening here is Nehemiah being in this palace, quite a safe wealthy place. He had everything he needed. He is making himself, he is asking to those who had come to his brother that has come alongside the wall and has come to the city. He's asking them about two things. Firstly, he's asking about the Jews, the people, and he's asking, asking about the city, Jerusalem. So this is two concepts that Nehemiah is asking about. Now, the report that he gets is that these two things that he's asking about they are in trouble. The people, the remnant, they are uh, distributed. There's no alignment. They are in pain. They are in suffering. They are broken. There's no king. There's no leadership there. And they're actually exposed because we see that Jerusalem, the walls are broken. Now, I don't know about you, but if I'm at house, I rely on my wall. Uh, it's a, it feels safe when I have a wall. When the wall is broken, don't know if your wall has been broken, you feel unsafe. And we see that Nehemiah is mindful for the protection of the people. So there's this concept about the people that he is mindful of and the city that he is mindful of. If we want to translate to our lifetime today is there's still broken people around us. There's still people that need help. There's still people that, that we can serve there's still brokenness in society. In the same way, our city is broken. And I believe that God has placed things in our hearts that is broken, people in our lives that are broken, that He has revealed, and, and, and we so easily zoom by or pass by, but there's some things, priorities, people that God has placed in our hearts, and I believe it's for a reason that He has placed that burden on you. Now we can have excuses. So we can have excuses like the problem is too big. We can think that over things like ESCOM, uh, load shedding, potholes, corruption, poverty. I can go on. Homelessness. The, the, the problem, the, the issue is too great. That's one excuse. The other excuse is it is not my problem. Okay? It's the government's problem. It's, it's not my problem to stand up. It's the leader in my job. Maybe there's some unethical things happening, and you are not taking a stance. These are some excuses. The other thing is that we are too busy. Just another excuse that you can have. But when we become aware of the things that God has placed in our heart, there's things broken. People and the city is broken. What has God made you aware of? Make and pause and think of those things that you've maybe tried by dreams, thoughts, 
things that are broken that God has placed on your heart. Sometimes that brokenness can, can come out as a frustration. I'm frustrated that this is like this. And that may be a pressure point that God is calling you to go and address. A quick story. I was saved actually in this church in the year 2014. I was sitting there more or less when Niela sat. Uh, it was a good seat. I always sit in the same place. Um, but I remember where God was pressing things on my heart. And, and the, the things that I would say now, this is in a church context, is I believe the call is, the church is called to equip the saints for work of ministry. Why isn't church not equipping the saints for the work of ministry? And I had this frustration. And then there was like a sit down moment uh, by God and saying, I'm calling you to equip the saints for the work of ministry. And I believe that for many of us, there's some frustrations in your work environment, in, in where you are, your, your career, your, your hobbies, where God is calling you, a passion, things that are broken that God wants to restore. Is that we need to become aware of what is broken in society. Things are not perfect. Okay, they're not. They're not right. And... From God's perspective, it's not great. It's not, not looking great, but we still know that God is at hand. See, Nehemiah became aware, but how did he respond to the brokenness of the people and the city? How did he respond? He responded in prayer. See, we read further in Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 4, I responded as, as soon as I heard these words, and I sat down and wept and mourned for days, and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. See, Nehemiah, as he, as he responded to what is happening, he heard the news, his response is in prayer. And he prays this beautiful prayer, and it's actually a model that we can use. We can use today, we can use scripture to guide us how to pray. Now, a very simple exercise we can use is that we see in in Nehemiah 1 verse 5, he starts off with worshiping God. He's glorifying God. And he said to God, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who keep him and keep his commandments. That when we pray and we, we respond to things and we see the brokenness, may we start off with worshiping and glorifying God before we ask for things of him. We worship God. Secondly, we see how Nehemiah takes responsibility for, for his people. He repents on their behalf. There's a confession in, in verse 7. He says, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments, the statutes, the rules that you commanded your servant Moses. So there's this a confession, there's a repentance that we can pray. And then thirdly, we can then, after we've worshipped, after we've requested God's will, after we've uh, repent after we've worshipped, we've repented, then we can request God's will. And the, what, what stands out for me is that he's highlighting things that God has already promised, already commanded, and now he's asking in verse 8, says, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the people. That is exactly what happened. The Jews were scattered outside of Jerusalem walls, but if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, though your outcasts are uttermost part of heaven, from there I will gather them 
and bring them to a place that I have chosen to make my name dwell there. See, as soon as he worshiped God, he repented, but then he's calling on God's will, on his words, on his commands, and saying, God, let this be done. In the same way, we can request God. We can request that his kingdom come. This issue, this problem that we are facing, that we are seeing, that we want to resolve, maybe start off with presenting that to God in prayer. And that's just a simple model, but we see that this model of prayer, there's a result to this prayer. There's a result to Nehemiah declaring his dependency. That's the first result is when we pray, we declare our dependency. We say that we can't do this alone. We need you, God. We are, we are actually saying that I am not self-sufficient. It is not dependent on my strength, on my ability, but there's a dependency on the one who is self-sufficient. There's a dependency on God. The second result of prayer is there's unity. There's unity. We see how God uses this prayer and He brings alignment to God's will. In verse 12, then I rose in the night. It says, after you've requested uh, from uh, the king resources and everything, we see the result of the, the, the fruit of that prayer. Then I arose at night, I and a few men with me, and I told no one what God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. So what he's stating here, it is aligned with his prayers. And the thing we believe, we usually pray for. So we see that from there, God placed something in his heart. During that three months of prayers and, and fasting, God brought unity in Nehemiah. And he didn't share it yet, and later he did. But there's things in his heart, and these are heart aligned with God's heart. For Jerusalem. The reason why Jerusalem was so significant to Nehemiah and to God's people and to the Jews is because God promised that He said, I will make my name dwell in Jerusalem. So, this is part of the Old Testament theology is that God said, In this area, I will make my name dwell. I will bless this place if they obey me. And then they was actually pushed out of Jerusalem. But then God's heart is still that his name will dwell in Jerusalem. So it's first the result of prayer is that we declare our dependency, we find unity, and then we have authority because of our prayer. So Nehemiah prayed, and there's authority that comes, and we see the, the fruit of that in later in chapter 2. Then I said to them, you see the trouble we are in. He's now sharing this, this unity that he has with the people. How Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem, that we may no longer, longer suffer derision. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good, and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, Let us arise and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. See, if it wasn't for Nehemiah setting his heart, his calling with God, he wouldn't have been so convicted about it shared with people and call them to align with God's word. You see that there came an authority in Nehemiah and he was simply a cupbearer. Now he's calling the Jews, come, let us build the walls together. See, when we, Nehemiah became aware and he responded in prayer, and it's so easy for us to, to almost stop there, stop with the very spiritual things become aware of the issue, and then we pray, God, we pray, we God, come do something. And prayer is foundational 
to do it, but we also know, also from last week's sermon, that God wants to use people, is that from there we can partner with God to repair. See, in, in verse 11, we see how Nehemiah is requesting then to God, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man. See, there's a dependency, and then Nehemiah requested to God, and then directly after this, in chapter 2, how he's going to the king, he's approaching him boldly, and he's asking him, saying, give us these resources. But we see a partnership with God through this prayer, and through this request. Now, the reason why it's important to partner with God is that God has all power and authority in heaven. And I believe that God's heart is still to restore the city, his people. And there's three things that we can partner with God to rebuild, to repair. And that's first off, is the city. So we see Nehemiah partner with God to rebuild the city walls in the same way we can partner with God to repair our city walls. So we are currently living in Pretoria and Tuane. Uh, if you have visitors, welcome. But I think most of us come from this area. And God is calling us not just to, to minister to people, but also to rebuild the city. See, the, the walls of, of Jerusalem was rebuilt in 52 days. So when we partner with God, the impossible happens. You see, this is a miracle. And when we partner with God to repair, we are placing our dependency and then we can ask God that He will let His will be done. Secondly, the reason why it's so significant with Jerusalem being the dwelling place is that with the New Testament and God coming as in this Jesus Christ, His Son, He's actually saying that it's no longer a specific place, a specific city, but it is now the church. I want to read for us Ephesians 2 verse 19. So welcome to scroll there. Just a powerful scripture of how God just comes and he states, just going to let the word speak. Verse 19 says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles, and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Again, we get that concept of the dwelling place of God where it's no longer a specific city, but now it's a specific people. Is that the church is now the people that God has chosen to be the dwelling place. And what stands out for me about the scripture is that God is, that Jesus, he is the cornerstone, so he is the one that brings the alignment, he's bringing the, the direction. But the verb here is that we are being joined together and that God is growing us. It's this, it's this continuous tense that God is still working in us. But this church is made out of people. And um, earlier, we got the brick out of our house. Um, and like this building, if you look around, this building is made out of bricks. And in the same way, if we see the church as being built 
by individuals that you are a brick. Okay? You are a brick. And, and as I reflected about this, is that we are not perfect bricks. I don't know about you, but we are not perfect bricks. We are individual bricks, but God still chooses to use us as imperfect bricks. And I only make that sound because I'm strapped. It's not because it's heavy. <laughs> and this question, that I, <laughs> this question that I just experienced, God asked me is, are you a perfect dwelling place for me? And I honestly, easily just said, no, I'm not perfect. And re reflecting into my week, uh, just a, maybe a moment, just to be real, I had a difficult week. I had a, a week that was pressure, family things, just from the last week. Our geezer was broken over the weekend. Didn't have water. Then we had cold water. Um, just things happening and a lot of pressure. And I had it on Tuesday specifically, just felt like a lot of things just built up. And uh, we planned the bride for that evening and just I was responsible for the meat because I'm the man. Um, but then I'm like, yeah, I want to go past the, I, I, I'm keen for a beer. I, I want to get a beer tonight. And usually it's not an issue. And uh, as I was driving to the, um, the liquor store, uh, the Holy Spirit prompted me and asked this question. Why, are you, do, why do you want to drink a beer tonight, specifically? And it's as something just paused me. I'm like, why do I want to drink a beer? And the Holy Spirit revealed me the reason why I'm drinking a beer tonight, want to drink a beer, is to get comfort that you should get from me. And as soon as the Holy Spirit just poked in my eyes, I stopped and said, God, I am sorry. I'm sorry for allowing the things of this world, the pressure to give an excuse. get comfort from creation and not from the creator. And that's just one example of this past few weeks where I've failed, where I've checked my heart and I realized I don't have a pure heart. We are broken bricks. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit speaks and I could say sorry and I did not get that beer by the grace of God. It's the brokenness that you have in your heart. It's the things that are bothering, things that you've compromised on. You see that we are a church, and we've heard now all the eyes of departments or how we are building. We are building, we are a church together, and everyone plays their parts, everyone has their individual bricks, but we are not perfect. See, the church is not perfect because we're made out of imperfect people. But still, God chooses to use us, and and something happened when, when Nehemiah went to God. He aligned his heart to God's will. And that is just my prayer tonight is that God would align our hearts. Why does he need to align our hearts? Because if it doesn't come from a heart conviction that this is what God does or God says, then we will always result into self-effort or dead works. Why do you go to your connector? Why do you lead your connector? Why do you serve? Why do you help the guy uh, next to the street? Is it from a place where you feel guilty or a must? 
Or is it from a heart conviction saying, God, I worship you with my everything. And I want to just create a moment of prayer. You can maybe close your eyes. It's just become aware that from the story of Nehemiah, we see that we can become aware of the brokenness around us. We can respond in prayer and we can partner with God to repair. And it's almost like this inverted thing that in order to repair the city, God wants to use the church. But in order to use the church, God wants to heal our hearts. Yes, Father, I pray for everyone here tonight, Lord, even now, reveal our hearts. You know our hearts, God. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would reveal what is happening in our hearts. What are the frustrations? What are the things that bother us? It's just going to allow the space, and there's some music that's going to play. Just allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Just where there we are, just say, God, here's my heart. is just like Nehemiah was sent by God to restore the broken walls Jesus was sent by God to come and restore our hearts to come and heal the brokenness and build his church because of what Jesus has done on that cross we have access to his grace the payment the penalty the consequence of your sin it has been paid fully God doesn't need you, but He wants your heart. He wants you, He's longing after you to worship Him with your heart, not just with your actions. And if you're here tonight and you've just want to, just things that you've become aware of, the brokenness in your own heart, just want to say, God, I am sorry. Just using the emails model, worshiping God and repenting God. If that is you, just want to surrender just with your hand saying, I'm sorry, just with a raise of hand, God, I repent. I'm sorry for my broken heart, for the things I've done, for the motives I have, for the thoughts I've thought. Yes, Father, you see every hand, every heart. And I thank you, just the words that said that your grace you give grace to those who humble themselves. You give more grace. And Lord, I pray that you would now bring healing to our hearts. Come and fix Jesus. Holy Spirit, come and heal. Come and restore. Come and repair. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Second group of people I want to pray for. If there are specific things that God has placed on your heart, things to repair, people to go to, problems to solve in our society, and you've had excuses. Not my problem, 
too big, too expensive, not enough time, too busy. And you are tonight going to say, I take ownership for those things that God has placed in my heart. I want to invite you to stand as a sign that you are partnering with God to rebuild His kingdom. Very specific things that you are partnering with God. you, God, that we can partner with you. Lord, I pray now for provision. I pray now for capacity. I pray now for vision. I pray now for your leadership, God, that we would rebuild your kingdom, rebuild the city, repair the walls, speak into societal issues, speak into injustices. Lord, we come and ask you to lead us. But I pray, God, that we would remain dependent and aligned to your heart for the city, for the campuses, for South Africa and the nations, God. Lord, we just say sorry for those times we've made excuses or have ignored it just flat. Thank you, Jesus, that you calling us to rebuild the walls. grab a seat thank you Jesus last group I want to pray for if you are here tonight and you, you say that your heart has not been for God you want to surrender your life to Jesus tonight just say I want to be part of this kingdom I want to be part of his people just by a raise of hand could you just identify yourself Jesus here I am I want to follow you Amen, Lord. You see that hand, God. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, Jesus, you see every hand raised, God. And there we are. Can I invite everyone to pray together? Just pray after me, just as, a, as we're praying this together, as God's people, as the church community together, say, yes, Father, thank you for sending your son to come and die for my sin. Today I say sorry and I'm turning away from sin and I'm turning to you, God. Thank you that today that I form part of your people, your church. In Jesus' name, amen.